uh, mathematician Jonathan. So I was hoping that it would make make some more sense to you. But... <laughs> I know, Jonathan, why don't you have the answer? I must have skipped how... skip the math lesson where we were doing. Math. How <laughs> do I get more life? Hello everyone and welcome to the 8th episode of the Audiobook Club podcast. I'm your host today, Michael, um, with my two co-hosts. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Stephen. I'm Jonathan. Yeah, and today we will be doing uh, The Final Empire, which is Mistborn Book 1 by Brandon Sanderson, read by Michael Kramer. Um, Before I launch on to what the plot was about uh i guess we're we'll we'll go over your guys guesses from last time do you guys remember <laughs> what they were no i remember <laughs> something somebody said something about a, a dagger on the cover but i can't remember do you do remember you yours jonathan no, I, I i, I have line. i have i have listened to them but i just wanted to see if you guys remembered <laughs> I, re- I remember thinking that yeah i can remember you said that me and steven were quite close of our guesses and i was after listening to the audiobook i was like yeah that, that was quite yeah. co- close what we guessed but it was it was closer though mate. yeah that's that's the thing yeah that is the name of the game is robocop <laughs> okay so i listened back to both answers there and as as i said during the episode you were both extremely close um but steven I think one's at this time yes. and, I, and I'll say why it's because Stephen used the word dystopia he uh, he also uh, mentioned that the land would be ruled by a tyrant he said um, there was something else he, oh he, he talked board. about he talked about how the setting would be barren so I think that was all really really accurate and, and I think it's a, it's a well-deserved point here for Stephen to finally finally get himself on the board. <laughs> finally on the board. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Yeah. So as I've alluded to and um and explaining what how accurate the guys were, uh, Mistborn is it is kind of a dystopian book. It's it's a fantasy book. It's also kind of a heist book as well. It follows some heist tropes and plots. So for thousands of years, um, the Ska, they, these peasants, slaves, have, have loved under the tyranny and the role of the Lord Ruler, who is, he's this godlike being who oversees this land, and the land itself is, it's full of ash, and it's quite, you know, it's quite sparse on the outside. Nobody really goes out at night. There's ash mounds, and there's must surrounding the lands um the nobility are they're not in charge because the lord ruler is in charge but they're basically they have free reign to treat their servants the ska how they want uh and the mustborn books it it follows um well it begins with a thieving crew and it's it's about their their struggle to to basically resist uh, this this power 
yeah so so the reason that i i picked this book is is because we haven't done like an epic fantasy yet and if you have listened to our prologue episode we all said that we were big fantasy readers so it seemed it seemed like we were due to do one and um the reason that i picked this out of all the the lexicon of fantasy books is because there's there's something that uh, i remember brandon sanderson once said about robin hobb he said that he he was reading a lot of fantasy when he was younger and then he became a bit disillusioned with fantasy because it follows the same kind of tropes and the same tolkien kind of model so he, he and it he he didn't feel like there was anything new to be offered by fantasy until he read robin hobbs farseer uh, trilogy and then he said it gave him this feeling that what these are coming of age books but they're also fantasy books so fantasy can be about anything and that's exactly how i felt when i picked up this book uh, i i didn't realize that you know it doesn't always have to be orcs and dwarves and else you can have your own races and your own worlds and you can play with history and mythology and the races and the magic can be so creative and it gave me this feeling that wow fantasy can be anything this was the book that reinvigorated the genre for me so that's the reason that i wanted to do this book as our first fantasy book it's maybe it's maybe not brandon sanderson's magnum opus which is probably considered to be the the stormlight archive books but those books are extremely massive I think Mistborn is like a good entry point because it's it's a bit smaller, but it's still got the epicness and it's still got all these things that Brandon Sanderson's known for, like the um the magic systems, the complex magic systems, the the really explosive big grand endings and the unique world building. Okay, so before we launch onto the plot and and go in, and digging deeper into the plot, I just want to get uh thoughts from you guys uh jonathan we'll start with you how did you find this book um yeah i mean just they put it in one sentence like i absolutely love this book like um i just thought the ideas were so fresh like it's a lot of the fantasy that's you know you do read do you have like very similar themes or like especially like like you were mentioned there like orcs and things like that like you know you have a overlap between like those kind of characters in like say world of warcraft or lord of the rings um so they kind of reuse the same ideas but i thought the especially the the magical powers they had in this the elementsy i thought it was just such a good idea like and like the, the, it was just so like well flushed out like a you know where anytime they enter just like a new power i was just like oh well you could exploit this doing this and then you know the next couple of sentences would be uh oh, but you know these are the drawbacks of using this power and stuff I just thought it was so well developed um, and so interesting, so different than anything else else has done. And then they actually put this on top of this heist um, storyline. was just, yeah, it was just kind of two uh, like main themes made, mushed together, which I thought, um, yeah, just made this book absolutely brilliant for me. Yeah, um, just, just it's funny that thing that you mentioned about the weaknesses of the, of the abilities because that's something that brandon sanderson always says too he always says that the the weakness of the powers is probably more interesting than than what it can do like the limitations i always think about like spider-man versus superman i find 
even though they're both like going about up in there i always find spider-man so much more interesting because he's got he has to have buildings and stuff to travel around and i find that limitation compared to just simple flight it's so much more interesting and dynamic um steven what did you think about this book I've been, I've been dreading uh, this question for weeks now um, because I knew what you guys were going to say. Uh, I absolutely hated it. You hated it? In a, in, in a word. I, I could not stand this book, to be honest. Um, like, yes, the magic system is different and interesting, but the story, okay, the actual story is very bland and dull and nothing really happens. And things that do happen, we're, we don't see them. You get told about them from like a group meeting or a conversation or something, and it really it really bugged me. Uh, without doing too many spoilers, uh, what else? The the characters too. They just some of the main characters were very like I don't know forced. Like the the, the yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to do spoilers. I'll, I'll get into that in a bit more. But I'll summarize it with this. By the end, I had to listen to the book on two and a half times speed just to get through it. Right. And I've never, ever done that with any other book before. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm extremely surprised that it was that strong of a reaction. But yeah, we'll we'll get into it more. Um, well, well, so was I. I mean, like, you know, you've told me you've told me a lot about these books. And I thought, this is it's going to be amazing. This is going to be right up my street. And it just it just wasn't. But again... I think I've said that. I think I've said this on almost every single episode, right? <laughs> or every every time I've read a book badly, the narrator really killed it for me too. I know that you wouldn't like the narrator, Stephen, because I once yeah. I once I uh, give you a book I think that was narrated by Michael Kramer, and you immediately told me that you didn't like the narrator. So, <laughs> I, I already was. I think that was a Brandon Sanderson book as well. I think that was Stormlight Archive, which is also read by Michael Kramer. And yeah, you you told me that you did not like the narrator. Way of Kings, I can't. Remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, yeah, because it's 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 tough too that you don't like Michael Kramer because he is such a presence and like fantasy narration. He also does all the Wheel of Time books. Hammond, I think it's his wife, Kate Redden and they are quite highly thought of but so but it'll be interesting to get more uh more in the depth of what you don't like about them but uh yeah yeah i think we'll, we'll break it down then we'll start uh you, you've you've mentioned some things that you don't like but we'll get into get into more depths about that um so so listen i'm sorry michael okay i really tried <laughs> but it just no Steve, i tried my best no that is it's totally fine that is your that is your feelings. I'm just hoping that we don't get a barrage of angry fanboys coming down on us now. <laughs> bring them on. Yeah. Hey, bring bring them on because I'll tell them why they're wrong. Okay, so we start we start the story off um here with a prologue. It takes place in one of the the no, the nobles' manors, Lord Tresting. It starts with him entertaining an obligator who's who sent to um help bridge a partnership between uh, Lord Venture and then we are introduced to Kelsier. He it's one of these houses where that where the Skaz stay. He he comes and kind of speaks to them about you know why why they should feel aggrieved for their place in the world. He basically wants some action from them. And uh 
Lord Tresting then, so so then he takes uh, one of the Ska girls out, out of the house here, and we know that um, we're told then what happens to these these women after they're slept with, they're, they're then executed. So kind of in a fit of rage, then Kelsier kills Lord Tresting and all his soldiers and then burns the manor to the ground. Um, what did you guys think of this uh, opening? Did it, did it engage you with any kind of sense of mystery or, or what didn't work about it? Um, I'll start with you again, Jonathan. Um, yeah, I, thought, I think it's the whole point of this kind of opening segment was to kind of hook you and kind of create a bit of mystery about especially this character Kelsier but they also introduce you the, the way that these ska um, are treated um, so you can already kind of like I feel from at that very opening kind of chapter I already knew you know about me and Stephen's guests being very close to the money because of you know you, you could just tell this was some kind of oppressed civilization you just then you just knew there was going to be some overlord or whatever or some emperor that was you know oppressing them um but no but no i think um it did start quite strongly for me um obviously to say that i did love the book so um but i thought the opening for me did did yeah did, did lead into the story quite well um and was a good start yeah na- narrator aside yeah i think it was a strong opening to be honest uh it did uh pique my interest like there's a few things that came out of it wondering like what's a scar why are they different than like i don't know normal people or whatever um why is there like the bad landscape and everything why do people like live on these almost like plantation things or whatever what's going on i wanted to know more so yeah it, it did hook me for sure yeah um I, I i thought it was a strong opening as well i it's it's been a while it's been a long time this book was released in 2006 i believe and I think I, I first read it around 2010, so it's been a long, long time since I first read it. But yeah, I can remember feeling of intrigue and, and mystery. I thought it was effective the way it pulled me in as well. So at the beginning of the novel, we're, we're introduced to Van, who we see, we see for her point of view that she was an abused street urchin. She's got a lot of uh, trust issues. She, especially for that were a result of how her brother treated her and how he showed her how the world worked and what the things that he told her they pull a job but it gets a bit messy uh the stale inquisitors are involved then we are introduced then kelsier kind of brings her onto her crew that's kind of the start of the book uh what did you guys think of this part and was how did the introduction of all these characters and all these concepts such as like the obligators and the stale inquisitors how did this work for you? Uh, I'll go, I'll go first. Uh, this this part of the book wasn't super memorable to me. Uh, to be honest, I, uh, the stuff about like Vin being a, a you know her trauma and all that was, was definitely a sticking point. But the stuff about the obligators and her crew and all, I can't really remember too much. To be honest. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about um about the obligators and about the steel inquisitors? Did you find them? Like a menace and threat. Uh, no, I can't remember at the start, but definitely later on in the book, uh, you know, when we when we see a few more of them, uh, they they were definitely a bit of menace there, yeah. And I find myself wondering, like again, like like with the ska, what are these 
things. Yeah. Like, what are these creatures, and how are they made, and why? What do they? You know, what's their purpose? Like, pro- like, you know, why do they exist? Yeah. What about um? So you said at the start you about the character interactions and stuff. So we have a few ones here where the the crews are like sitting together and chatting. Uh, what about these parts? Do you remember much about this and how they worked for you? Are you talking about Vin's crew at the very start? Sort of that, and and the part where they're brought on and and we meet uh, Kelsier's crew one by one. Yeah. Okay. So I don't I don't really remember Vin's crew at all, but the Kelsier's crew I did I did uh, like um, meeting each of the characters because they're you know they all have different uh, abilities and I thought that was a good way to kind of show off the different aspects of the the magic system. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's it kind of uh, it kind of follows that uh, that heist kind of uh, model where there's always an expert in one thing, you know. In, in heist movies, it's always like there's the there's a guy who's great at driving, there's a guy who can crack any safe in the world. So yeah, that's that's why you need a crew, right? Yeah, because you need yeah. And this yeah. this fantasy version, it's basically each person has one of the one of the magical powers their mistings so they have they possess one of these powers whereas uh somebody who is mistborn has all the powers so you might sometimes say that maybe they are the the mistings are surplus to requirements but later in the book we kind of get a justification for them where they're said to be like experts of their craft yeah it's like it's like a mistborn is like a jack of all trades but yeah yeah the the mistings are the kind of expert mistings are sort of the go-to guys yeah like what was his name what was the guy's name the one that can uh soothe people uh um, breeze yeah breeze yeah. yeah he you know you see him a lot uh flexing his abilities um being able to soothe people not like big enormous crowds and stuff yeah uh what did you think jonathan of the early parts of the books with um the introduction of the crews and the introduction of inquisitors um so I think they start at the point where you know you're introduced to Eveon and her crew, um, like the the, the kind of opening part of of her um, storyline is them going and meeting an obligator, and essentially she refers to her power, which she doesn't know what it is at the at that point. She calls it her luck, and she she obviously you know hasn't really told like the, the I think the leader of the crew and her brother and stuff knew she had this power, but like to her it's like she's probably the only person that can do this. And she doesn't really understand it and where the power comes from and what to actually, you know, how she's getting this power. Um, but the fact then that she uses on the obligator and then uh, just a bit after that then, you know, when she meets Kelsar, he's like, oh, well, he they can tell when you use that and they're on to you now. And they're, they're basically trying to hunt you down and stuff. Um, I thought that, that that was probably my favorite part of like the opening, just that it kind of started off straight away with um her getting into trouble with these powers um but at that stage she didn't know but then i did like the whole thing that it was kind of like this training throughout the book then that it went yeah. one day about her learning more and more about this it was very um karate kid kind of you know just some master of the powers teaching her and then yeah i did like the way that you, f- you felt that the, the misborn were maybe a bit overpowered and the mistings you know it was a bit unfair but then you were like yeah the, the mistings um could really hone that that single skill whereas the Mistborn just has so much to consider 
and it's yeah. you know hard for them to become an expert in any one of the the skills. Um, that 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 part that, that uh, just on one of the things you said there about the the karate kid sort of thing. That was one of the things that didn't sit right with me because there wasn't enough of it. Um, yeah, it was more I about thought, the ball, the balls than the actual like fighting, training, and stuff like that. It was more about her, yeah, going the like. I, I yeah, done, maybe I should have spent again, a bit more on that. Again, I like it. Kind of, kind of takes a back seat. You you hear that they've done this training, except you know a few times like when she goes with Breeze and stuff, but other times, uh, yeah. I, I, I think there could have been more of that, especially because it's it's kind of a first book trope, you know, the the hero learns all the powers, right? Yeah, yeah. Or starts that off, so I think it could have been a bit more than that. But anyway, that's yeah. Um, I like that the the when they introduced ends that I think whenever it's when Kelsier meets her and was more or less like a steel inquisitor was coming after you, and they enter just what a steel inquisitor is like, you know, that has this guy with the spikes for his eyes, and then I think they discuss later in the book how. You, that actually works it's like they can't see but using the elements they can like feel the world around them yeah things like that so it's they're like they're basically the the steel inquisitors are essentially elements who are experts in everything is what i the way i kind of think of it so um but no i really i thought that was a, a really good kind of i know the the what, what is it the lord uh, lord ruler what do you call it? the lord ruler yeah the lord ruler is like the ultimate enemy but i felt like the steel inquisitors was kind of you know, because there's a few of those, it was kind of a very good kind of money boss kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and if anyhow, they were more of a threat throughout the book because really the, you don't really interact with the Lord Ruler until the last few chapters, whereas the Steel Inquisitors, you know, come come and go. Um, so I, I did really like the, that they were uh, like the bad, the enemy. I thought it was a good enemy. Yeah, I, I, I really like the Steel Inquisitors too. I, I like the design. It's It's extremely creepy. It's kind of a body horror ish. It's it's and it follows that kind of that that structure of fantasy books where the big evil lord he he kind of has to stay out of the way to to maintain this air of mystery and being above everything. It's like the Sauron is you know is away somewhere, or or Voldemort he doesn't really appear until later in the books, and then um you've got the the minions who are more of a presence. I think Sauron is a good a good comparison because if you think about Sauron, he doesn't really do anything in the end. Yeah, right. He, he just exists, and without going too much into it, that's kind of the same here. Yeah, and the Steel Inquisitors are like the the Nazgul. Yeah, and the Nazgul are way more spooky to me than, than Sauron. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good good comparison. Right? Yeah, well, Sauron's like like the devil, isn't he? He's just he's just the presence. Of evil, yeah. He's just a representation of evil, which I suppose, like the Lord Ruler, kind of us in this as well. He's he's said to be a godlike being, and we don't really we don't really get much of him in this book. He he doesn't actually appear in it much or speak in it much until towards the end. Um, so I think as an after this, where we we get this scene where Kelsier basically goes through his plan, and uh, well, just 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 before we move on, can I ask a question? Yeah. Uh, can you remind me why she called it her luck? Is it because she was like soothing people and getting away with stuff? She I think so. Uh, yeah. Like it was the only thing that like was going for her. Like the only thing, the only gift that she had, essentially. Yeah. So she was getting like she was getting the medals on her stomach for like trace minerals. So she yeah. was only getting small amounts of the power, and she had no like concept of alamancy. 
so she just believed it was kind of like luck that it was something that she was invoking the way somebody might should should we talk about elementsy uh, i was gonna for, yeah for i was gonna go go on to that um after the after the plan but we can jump to elementsy first if you want uh okay well, well, so one of the big things about brandon sanderson books are the magic systems he he really goes into a lot of depth about the magic uh, what did you guys think about about the magic in this book? Uh, there's three, well, there's two, sorry. There's two different um, magic systems that are named in this. The first is the big one, the one that's predominantly in the book. It's Alamancy. What did you guys think of that? It was, it was certainly different. I did think it was interesting um, with the, the different aspects and different metals do different things. Um, so basically that, uh, that the the mustings or the mustborns they just ingest these metals uh pewter steel iron and when they're inside their stomachs before they get digested they can they have the ability to burn them and they give them different abilities like a telekinetic control over metal for one of them one is to one pewter i believe enhances the strength copper like shields from uh from from other alamancers sensing the magic um ten make sure you be able to see better is that i think it enhances all senses yeah senses yeah yeah what what did you think jonathan of the of alamancy um yeah so like the as i said before the two kind of pillars of this book is the heist and the magic system and i definitely enjoyed the magic system like i thought the heist was good a good concept but it was just like a standard kind of heist story Whereas the yeah. magic system was just what I found so different and so like, like uh, captivating for me, I thought the balance in it, like it was so like well designed, because like with magical powers, I think like we said, like yeah, you don't want that Superman kind of situation where he's just all powerful and like there's every power is just like no weakness. This is like you know every power. I like the idea that you know they came in pairs and you have a pushing and a pulling, um, and like for example, taking the, the the iron and the steel if you like if you're pulling something that's lighter than you it's going to come flying at you likewise if you push off something that's heavier you, you actually need to anchor yourself if you want to do that because when you push off something heavier than you you actually go flying um and i thought like those kind of like you know the way kelsey is explaining this when he's teaching fun he's like you know you have to be careful if you do this or like you know because a lot of the steel pushing and pulling with iron and stuff is about kind of flying through the air essentially pulling and pushing off things um, and I was like, oh, well, that's actually quite good there that, you know, you could, you could actually mess this up if you're not good at it and you'll die essentially. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the, I like the, the, the variety of the powers, like some of them are so interesting. Like the, the, the one I especially like was the bronze, you know, it seemed like the bronze didn't really do much until then it, she spoke with, uh, uh, Kelsey's brother, Marsh. And, you know, he was an expert on the bronze and he taught her more about it. Like, cause at that stage you were just like, well, why would you ever, I think what was a bronze, can you can detect if there's an alamancer beside you but then oh, the cop, yeah. cop, copper can like hide if uh, you're an alamancer so it's like well, what's the point in bronze but um then like uh marsh kind of explains that you know there's more to it you can actually like feel um like if someone's using alamancer you can actually feel the different types that they're using and stuff if you like, concentrate while using bronze and i just thought like that was so well developed and it just yeah it was so interesting 
Yeah, so you can like use it to counter them essentially. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah, and there's like because of the different combinations, there's so many possibilities with like you know how fighting scenes can go on. So I just thought, yeah, it was just a brilliant idea. Yeah, I agree. I really enjoy the magic system. Um, one thing that it gets it gets praised for being extremely well thought out, and it gets praised for being really creative. It does. I have I have read criticism about it. I read, I think it was a Guardian review one time. I read that it feels a bit like a video game, is what they said. And um, I don't know if I don't know if that's a criticism, to be honest, because it feels a bit to me. It feels a bit reductive of video games as an art form. It's like, you know, what is wrong with games? But I haven't read that full review, so maybe it's saying, maybe it says more like it's unsuited to a book, or or something like that. Um. But you you agree with that that part of the review, Stephen? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I do. I do think the other. Uh, oh, actually, sorry. Well, I meant to say, uh, just just for people listening, the so when we talk about like ingesting metals, they're not just like eating a big chunk of steel, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. sh- shavings of, of you know. Yeah. Yeah, very small amounts, and and. Uh, I believe that they say it's like an alcohol solution or it's some kind of solution. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it preserves the purity or something. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing. I actually oh yeah, liked, yeah. Was yeah. The fact that you know, yeah, that was good. You that. have this limited amount. You have like yeah. a limited amount of it. You have to ingest it, and then even if you did like take like loads of it and we're using it, you can actually be like fatigued by it, or can you know lead to problems if you like flare it too much. What? Well, yeah. So it's kind of like and you, can you can't, also can't get, overuse it. You can also get sick if you don't like refine it properly, which I thought was really Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's just the whole everything surrounding this this the magic in this I thought was just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something deeply thought out um So there's another magic system in this book Affair Kimmy gets introduced a bit later. It gets introduced in a scene where uh Van and Kelsier they invade the Lord Ruler's palace complex, uh, Critic Shaw, and she is saved by the terrorist man, says it. Uh, he exhibits like extreme strength, and she's wondering, you know, what the hell is going on? This is, are you an Alamancer? But he explains to her that what he actually does is he stores power. So, in order to accumulate that great strength, he's had to also have a period equal to that. Of being weak and, and if he was to say like be four times stronger than that then he would burn it four times faster so it's it's basically it's an it's an ability to store your your own body's resources um what did you guys think of think of this uh this magic yeah i thought i thought this type of this this uh system was was more uh interesting to me um I like that it seems like you have to sacrifice more to get something out of it, which uh, I think makes it more interesting. Um, I think it also, like, what what is it again? You can, uh, I think you have, you can, like, you can give yourself an extra year, or, like, you have to, you give yourself more years of youth, but you have to, like, basically be, like, fatigued or weak or older for that many years yeah, yeah so it's yeah. not but but i think the whole the, the whole uh, maybe i suppose we're on the spoiler section anyway but the whole thing with the lord ruler is that he can do both elements and fair can we i don't really understand whenever they explained it in the book how he was able to keep himself alive but uh like yeah. I, I guess if i went back and listened to it like i'm not sure how like he was able to use this to keep himself like 
young forever, but I think it's because of the elements they could like just continuously build the power with like faster than they was using it. But I'm not sure. Yeah, um, the way that I sort of because I I also did not really get this even after reading this several times. It was kind of like, mm, does that does that really make sense? Um, the way that I think that that worked is um, it's saying that he could store. Store has um ferrochemical um stores within the metal, but then when he burned them, it like amplified this, so he could he could like mix a small amount of this with like another metal, but then it would just it would act like a bigger store. But so I'm I'm not sure how much sense that actually makes, but that's that was my understanding <laughs> of it. Oh, yeah, no, that sounds it's it sounds what like I heard. Yeah, I just I guess I just don't understand how that works. But then again, yeah. it's a fun to say and I made up. You are, yeah. <laughs> I think you. I mean, even though it does magic, it's still it's still reliant on rules that are established. Yeah, and a, and a sort of it has sort of a, a physical and a mathematical logic to it. So, and you are our resident uh, mathematician, Jonathan. So, I was hoping that it would make make some more sense to you. But. <laughs> Hello, Jonathan. Why don't you have the answer? I must have skipped how, skipped the math lesson where we were doing. All how do I get more life? Tell me. Uh, I, I thought like the whole. I don't. I don't want to jump ahead or anything. But it's like the whole way that it ended with like you know it was as simple as him being an almoncer and a ferrochemist was how he was so powerful. Like I'm like, well, surely there's other people that have got this power. Like, or is is he like one in a million and? He like make sure. I suppose that he like kill. He was like killing all well, the pyrochemists. Yeah, he's like he was make sure, He's uh, making them uh, impotent, right? Or he's uh, uh, yeah, that's them right, yeah. so that they can't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Breathe. So yeah, so it's like it's a, a, a it's a passed down trait, not a learned thing. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that doesn't say that say a lot for the book. How he doesn't for some reason he lets alamancers exist, but he's terrified of terrorist men. He's always. You know, trying to control them, control their population, and, and 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 things like that. So I think that is the reason he's just trying to minimize the the probability. I think that he even has mentioned that it is possible for another Lord Ruler to exist, but it's ju- it's just about him minimizing those odds. Uh, uh, one thing I don't understand is you just brought up there the terrorisman. Is the terrorisman and the keeper the same thing? Because like, says it's both of those, or like. So I, I think a terrorist is like a race of people, and a keeper yeah. is like mm-hmm. his job. Okay. So uh, the keeper, so he because he's a ferrochemist, he can use ferrochemistry to like store the knowledge or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's like metal metal mines. It's it's knowledge within these metals that can be. It's basically like a, a human hard drive, you know, and, and a human uh, external yeah. hard drive. You can store yeah. all these memories on an access. And then them. I. If he like has a ring, he can store it in the ring, and then if he just goes and gets the ring, then he can retrieve the memory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which yeah. I, I thought was so a, it's, it's also a pretty interesting concept. Yeah, I think it was it was a bit complex. Is my only criticism on it, but then again, I think that's what makes it so interesting is that it is complex. Yeah. yeah. Can I? So yeah. Can I make a prediction about the Lord Ruler, ruler Michael? Uh, you don't have to put this in and accompany it if don't, Jonathan doesn't want spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Oh no, that uh, that is said in the book, Stephen. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, that sucks. So, I wasn't listening to this. <laughs> so it is revealed the reason that Van knows how to defeat the Lord Ruler in the end is that 
she realizes that that's what he's doing. He's he's using Farrakhemi and she knows that he is a, a terrorist man because uh because she sees using this metal. They're not sure. Like it's always typed up by Kelser. The eleventh metal will hold the key to beating them and everything. And we see before before Kelser is killed by the Lord Ruler, we see him smile after using the metal. So we're like, you know, he has revealed some way. He has revealed some way how to defeat him. But we can't tell why because when Van uses the uses the metal, all she can see is like a previous version of the Lord Ruler, but nothing physical happens. And then this this leads her to the conclusion. Um, I think it's that he looks like a Pac-Man. That he has he's the terrorist man. Oh, he's not yeah. the person he's not the person writing the journal. He is the terrorist man that the that he uh that the guy was with. Oh, he yeah. killed That's he right. killed the guy that that wrote the journal, yeah. Okay, so just, just for the listener, there's there's a journal that they find of that seemingly belongs to the Lord Ruler. Uh but is when he when he like re re wrote the earth <laughs> basically right yeah uh and they they, they like study this and, and uh hope to find a way to defeat him yeah so so my prediction was that the basically what michael said there that the lord ruler wasn't <laughs> the writer of the journal he was the sort of one of the followers the pack of the terrorist man yeah yeah okay i i forgot all about that part listen to that double speed you obviously it went under your head and it was in there somewhere, but you just didn't know that you knew it. <laughs> hey, you know what? Like, I thought that was going to happen, right? But obviously, I built up the speed thing, right? So I started listening at one and a half, and then I got up a bit more and a bit more. And by the end, it was, like, going two and a half times faster. And I was like, geez, I'm picking more of this up than I thought I, thought I, thought I would, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I really had a focus just, uh, on it, though. You know, I couldn't be doing anything uh, else. Yeah. It actually took me a while. I actually look really like that, you know... You know, at the end of every chapter, there was that wee segment of the journal. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I didn't actually realize, like, what they was reading there. Like, you know, I think he starts that before they find the journal. So, like, I think it's don't actually know. If, if memory serves, when I read the physical book, I, I think it's actually at the beginning of each chapter. Uh, Maybe I might be wrong about that, but yeah, I think it it's... No, I, I, is it at the beginning? The beginning I think yeah. so, yeah. Oh, well, I suppose I just could, because I listened to, um, like, the audiobooks and the chapter just goes over. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I didn't really distinguish which one was, but anyway, yeah. like I never realized that uh, that's what they're reading until like yeah. halfway through it. That is something I was going to ask you guys about too. Is it was it clear that that was not part of the chapter, and if it wasn't, how long did it take to realize this was something else? Because it's something that I didn't think completely works in an audio form because you're not you're not really sure that oh, is this not well, the beginning of the chapter. A bit confusing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, like I said, yeah, it took me half the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it works. Uh, it's, did remind me again? Did, was was there like chapter markers in this book? Did it like you know say chapter ten or whatever? I it would just say yeah. like ten. Like it wouldn't say yeah. chapter. It would just like ten. Yeah, I think it, it does work, but only with those. And plus, like if it just switched over, <laughs> that would be kind of annoying. Yeah, I know our reviews kind of gone everywhere in terms of plot so we are just jumping around at this stage um i want to ask you guys more about more about the heist aspect of this book so at the beginning um kelsier tells everybody that um the plan is to to basically take the lord ruler's atm reserves and that that's going to be the key to to getting at him basically and they they uh as part of the plan 
Avan has to infiltrate the nobility. She has to ignite this this war among the nobles. Uh, and, and in doing that, she has to impersonate somebody. Well, she completely makes up the person of Valette Renew. And as part of this, she does go to a lot of balls, which... Uh, is the worst part of the book. <laughs> you did not like it all, Stephen. It's, it's no, quite dumb. I did not like the ball part where she goes to ten balls and they're all the same and nothing happens. <laughs> Dur- during these balls, she meets Ellen Venture, who's it's basically the most powerful noble house. He's the heir to this house. So so you didn't get anything out of this these chapters, Stephen? It was just a complete drag for <laughs> I you. I mean, yeah, it was a drag, but okay. The the part with the venture guy, I was like, okay, what's is he gonna? Does he know that she's like a ska the whole time? I was wondering, or is he gonna double cross her or something? I was trying to I was trying to work out what was going on there. That did have my interest a bit, but again, yeah, she went to like fifty million balls. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, okay, can we see some of the heist? Can we see, like, you know, uh, Ham doing some of his stuff with the, the the army thing? Can we see yeah. that? No, we have to go to another wall. <laughs> yeah, actually, now that Stephen said that, like, I, I do agree that that's just the way they should have done it because it felt like the, the whole setup of the heist was mostly focused on what Fun had to do for it. And fair enough, go to her part, but go to the other people's parts as yeah. well. Everybody else's, yeah, it was just... Just highlighted. Oh, I went to this, and then yeah, just that's it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that that I. So so you think this book it would have been better, especially towards the middle, if like this was written in multiple POVs instead of just strictly staying to to Van's point of view. Well, not not necessarily, yeah. right? If it let's okay, if it was one of the other characters where they you know they have to prepare in some way was was the main POV, like uh, Breeze or whatever. I can't remember the other people's names. Except for Ham. 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 Yeah, if it, if it was printed on them, preparing for the heist, maybe, right? But her part mm-hmm. in the heist is that she has to get information on the nobles, right? And that's yeah. just, that's, that's the most boring part. <laughs> the information gather. On that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think I think if it was one of the other people, then the it doesn't have to be a POV thing. But because it was yeah. her, I would have preferred the POV switching. Because it doesn't, it seems like a waste, like that she's got all these hidden powers. Like, what sh- it should have been maybe from her point of view, but like she comes with Ham on, like, I know she, she does this a wee bit when she's learning, she goes with Breeze to do some, but like, if she was more involved in every part of the heist, yeah. because she's got all these different skills, like, she's got yeah. all these different powers, which will come yeah. in handy for all these different things, she should, like, probably be involved in all these different things, rather yeah. than her part is just this getting information, which doesn't really even seem to involve a lot of elements, I think. Yeah, and also doesn't matter uh, but, in the end. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think the book is like it's trying to be like, in these parts it's trying to be both an action book, but it's also in these parts trying to be like a political intrigue. And when you compare it to something that is also political intrigue and in like the Game of Thrones series, it's definitely Randall Sanderson's definitely not as good at doing that. He's a lot better when he's writing like fantastical things happening, like action scenes and wonderful big plot twists and and magic and and stuff like that uh i don't think his characters are as well fleshed out as somebody like george r, r. martin you said you, you alluded to this at the beginning Stephen, that you you didn't connect with a lot of the characters no well like they seem very very forced into their role okay so 
let's take Kelsier, for example, right? He's supposed to be this charming, like, mischievous rogue guy, right? And he mm-hmm. just doesn't portray that at all, apart from, okay, he sits backwards on chairs sometimes, and Brandon Sanderson really <laughs> had a drive home that he was doing that every single time he was in the room, right? But he, I didn't find him charming. You know, I didn't find him funny or anything or whatever he's supposed to be. He just sell, It's like we're told that he's supposed to be these things, so you're supposed to view him that way, but yeah. it just it just doesn't come off that way. And, and Vin is supposed to be like a, a... What's the word? Like a... Obviously, she's like a tortured soul who has to go to these balls and... Uh, um, spend time with people who've like mis- enslaved her people her whole life and all and but then she really yeah. gets into it and switches to where she's like you know she likes going to these things because they're fun and then she becomes yeah. a different character and I, I don't know I don't even know what I'm yeah. going to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I like I like Van and I like Kelsera's characters um, the rest of the crew they're kind of it's but it's like it's it's matching what a heist movie is basically you don't know much about them they're they they feel one note because there's that many and and they're supposed to achieve this specific goal so i don't think that's really an issue for me um brandon sanderson's talked about how he wishes he had more female characters in this book if he could go back which i think would have benefited definitely on the crew just to give a bit more distinctiveness because kind of I don't know, a lot of them blend together for me sometimes. And I think if you had a way to make them slightly the, more the different... The crew members blend together, you're saying? Yeah. See, I, I have the opposite feeling. Um, I, I, I do think the, the the different crew members are well fleshed out. You know, you've got Breeze, who's like a, the arrogant who doesn't really want to be there, but he does. You know? Yeah. And you've got... Uh, I can't... What was, what was the guy called? Um... The ten eye guy, clubs, yeah. Uh, is he a ten eye? Oh, we've got, we've got Spook. No, he's the Spook he's the strength one. Spook's Cl- the ten eye, isn't he? Cl- clubs is clubs to a man, anyway. Uh, he, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't agree with the heist that they're going on, um, but he does it anyway because he thinks, uh, in, you know, they might make some money with it, out of it. Or, yeah. You know, um, and Ham is uh, the kind of stereotypical brute force guy. Right, who seems a bit dozy, yeah. but then he's doing it to make money for his family and everything. You know, I I did think they were a bit more than one note, even though they're supposed to be yeah. one note. Um, yeah. Well, I can I can kind of see your point there. When you put it like that, they are they are well developed, but I just find, don't think they're distinctive enough from each other for me. Like I think they could have could have been made a bit more unique or or had. A bit more unique voice. I think like Spook stands out a lot. Obviously, the way he talks and everything has has slang. Well, uh, this this Jotham- goes back to sorry. This, this just to finish off. Yeah. This, that that goes back to what I was saying before, where the or what we were all saying before um, that the, the I think it would have been better served if they focus more on the different aspects of the heist rather than just focus on what Vin's doing and going to all yeah. these balls. You know, if we had seen more of Ham and the, the army part or Breeze and his people or clubs doing whatever he was doing, I think, yeah, they would have been more fleshed out. So, yeah. yeah. 
um jonathan what did you you think about the characters overall yeah i i, I, I liked and most of the characters i thought yeah were had a good development like i feel like the ones like breeze clubs and ham like they were more minor characters yeah. there was definitely a big distinction between which i suppose you do have in most stories like but like Kelsey and Vam and maybe even says it were definitely a lot more like they got a lot more attention for it um maybe i want i feel like more focusing on the whole team as well like having more main characters um but then like i suppose then that makes the book even longer and stuff but um like i there's one uh thing i couldn't stop thinking about was like you know Kelsey and marsh uh brothers I just kept drawing the comparison that they're very like Sherlock and Mike Mycroft yeah. from the BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, thinking that too. I loved, <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my head. Like uh, Kelsey's like Sherlock. He's he's always like got his nose and stuff, and he's very like proactive. And whereas you have Marsh is more reserved and more and like he's like, even on the government kind of side of things, you know. But um, yeah, I thought I thought that the like the story the story backstories and stuff were quite good yeah about the cam doing a first family even like i like the kelsey one that's i like the way that story turned out the way is like his wife died in like the pits of half sin um but then everyone thinks like there's this like kind of chatter chatter but not even, not really behind his back because he even thinks about it too but the fact that she betrayed him because the lord ruler like thanks her like the way that he thanks her um for essentially leading to kelsey's capture and stuff yeah, um, but I like the way that it came then. That you know, I think Van uses the bronze, and she can feel, she knows what uh, metal Kelsey is burning, even though he's burning copper as well. Like she can tell, um, and that means that's the Lord. Like if she could do it, the Lord Ruler could have done it, which meant that he would have known that they were coming, and that's why like everyone like it's like they were sneaking and they they that room that Kelsey wanted to get on day and like they, they knew he was coming even though that it was only his wife and one other person that knew about the plan and they're like well how did they know we were coming but then you know Vam gives a good explanation but you never actually know did she betray him or not but it kind of like ends on that high note of like oh maybe maybe she didn't betray him yeah so um so I really I really so yeah, it's like alluded to that uh she didn't betray him but because she was using uh Alamancy, that gave him away uh, and that's that's why why the Lord of thinks because I was able to detect her because she was using it, but he, so he misinterpreted why he thanked her. But um, yeah. no, I thought like we like kind of like backstories like that. Even though that's not, I suppose it is important to story because it's more or less Kelsey's main motivation is kind of this revenge. But um, yeah, I just like the way like those stories were those backstories, and then Fum had the whole battle bringing like her brother, you know, betrayed her. But in the end, yeah, or not, but then betray her. She always thought that he was going to like sell right but in the end it ended up he didn't he actually died keeping yeah. her secret sort um, of parallels parallels Kelsey's yeah. kind of backstories yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah so I, I like those wee stories um but i feel like they were only really well developed for those main characters yeah um so yeah that's yeah. my criticism i think yeah i think like the strongest part about the characters as the motivations of van and Kelsier, like i think those are explored really well through the story um i think oh, oh What's what's Vin's motivation? So Vin Vin's motivation is just basically to survive. It's she's just she's just an urchin. Oh yeah, okay. I sorry. I th- I thought you were like hinting at something like you know bigger. Like she had motives about something. No, there, there's nothing bigger really revealed. I, I think she's just she's kind of described the way she moves as kind of animalistic. So it's kind of she's almost feral. 
-hmm. but then her then she has this arc kind of where she becomes more in tune to the the nobles and and then she kind of she kind of uh piggybacks on on Kelsier's cause uh, and Kelsier's cause of course uh he wants revolution he wants to bring down the lord ruler and he's not completely honest about that goal in, in the beginning he he kind of says it's about it's about creating this house war but what Kelsier is actually doing throughout this book is he is manufacturing a religion which is why he um he takes such interest with uh Cezid and is always asking him about these religions because he's trying to understand religion mm-hmm. because he realizes this is the lord ruler's true power it's his it's that they think that he's a god or at least this is Kelsier's theory and, yeah, and i think that like, was that's... something i caught really late after reading the book um uh, that he was doing that yeah i think like it's a i think that's a big theme of the book it's like the power of religion it's how how religion can obviously be used in a very bad way the control the the way it oppresses people and that but it's also making this point that religion can be used to bring people together to give them hope i think is is also part of the premise um brandon sanderson's a mormon uh he has he has part of the mormon church so he obviously is very passionate about religion and i think i think he handles religion quite well especially for a, a very religious person i don't think he holds it up i think he's he can hold it both on a negative and positive light light he can show those both sides of it in an interesting way uh what do you guys think of like of that of kelsier's plan and the way that all ties together yeah, I, I think yeah, like Stephen said there, he didn't catch it too. I, I didn't really feel like it was maybe meant to be kept caught. Like I, I suppose you could like, but I didn't really understand that this is what he was doing the whole time. Like because because they did only reveal it near the end of the book. But um, I mean, I guess it's like anything. One of the once it is revealed, you're kind of like, well, how did I not under, like understand this was his goal in the, the whole the whole time? But I mean, I think you're. I was kind of a blinded by the you know revenge story. I thought it was just going to be this is all about his revenge. Whereas actually, you know, in order to get his revenge, it's not like this pure blind hatred where he's going to just do whatever he can. He's, he's very clever about it. And he actually uses this this common goal that he has the, has reason. They combine that with, you know, an actual good reason, which is the free, scare humanity, essentially. Um, but I think, no, I like the, I like the way that kind of, that this went, like I... And I, I do, I, you did say about him like dying with a smile on his face too, like like he had this this belief in this eleventh medal, and I think that was kind of like what it was. Even though he had this plan, he knew that uh, like they kept saying over and over that you know they're not going to be able to destroy the Lord Rill. It doesn't matter if the whole Ska civilization rebels; um, the Lord Ruler is still going to be too powerful. He could just kill them all anyway. Um, but it's like the Kelser, you know was banking everything on this and then right at the end he was like oh this this is going to do it and then you know he knew Vum was obviously like his protege and he knew that you know she would know what to do she would figure it out in the end so I, I yeah. really liked how the story kind of panned out then at, towards the end of the book yeah I, I thought yeah I thought those reveals for me anyway were very satisfying I think um, I think Brandon Sanderson is great at hiding things like that throughout his book and then just just all of a sudden popping them out and then they feel they both feel inevitable but they feel surprising as well like that's that the fact that the 11th medal it was like it was held up to be this 
incredible gift and then when you saw it work you were like you know that's that's not really that great but it secretly did hold the key to all of this um what did you what did you guys think of the ending right from the moment was we'll define the ending basically from the moment that uh the lord ruler kills kelsair the the houses revolt Vun fun fights um ellen's fiance it's revealed to ellen her true nature what she is she's a ska and she's a, a must born uh Vun goes to she gets imprisoned in critic shaw on a cell with Sazed. she has that confrontation with her father and then obviously uh when when Sazed breaks them out she has the confrontation with the lord ruler and and finally you know learns the secret to defeating him how did how did all this section of the book what did you guys think of it I, I thought the end, and after Kelsier's death, I thought it was all very, very rushed, to be honest. Uh, like, you know, there's a lot of build-up, and then it just speeds along where, yeah, uh, you know, she she fights that girl, the the other um, Mistin, or is, she's, is she a Mistin? Shan. Shan, Shan yeah. She's a Mistborn. Yeah, she's yeah, a Mistborn, yeah. She's a Mistborn as well. Yeah, so the fight, I, I like the fight, but it, it was very, very rushed, like, yeah. Um, she just storms the Lord Ruler's uh, gaff and just, you know, batters everybody. <laughs> Effectively. And then uh, you find out that he's he, he was the, the terraceman and, uh, and then that's it. It wasn't like... I, I thought it was kind of lackluster. It wasn't really um, satisfying in to be honest. But uh, maybe maybe there's like a open for um, you know, the next books to continue on. I don't know yeah um what did what did you think of the ending segment jonathan um i i, I again really enjoyed it. i think the the deal kind of breaking on the two parts i guess the whole thing with like ellen like it was just like an extra i don't really feel like very important this whole like kind of you know love story between him and Finn. it was more of a case of her like kind of like she was so like destroyed by life like could she ever kind of find happiness or whatever so it was kind of maybe i suppose to kind of fill that void of that story but um i don't really feel like it was um too important for me like it i didn't really like it was more like she was saving him as opposed to like him contributing much i know he does come in in the end he like help getting the mites but that was about it um like i didn't particularly enjoy that part but uh, like i don't mind that it was in the book you know i feel like it was a good backstory for to have for her as well um or a good good like side story even um but the the from the part where even just before Kelser dies like when i mentioned kind of one of my favorite parts was like you know that marsh his brother was killed um or was so he thought and then that he came back as like the steel inquisitor and he like kills all the other inquisitors yeah and yeah, like it's essentially i mean like, even if them did figure out how to beat the lord ruler would she have been able to do that if all those steel inquisitors has came in so i really like the way he just like came back you know he thought he was dead there was, there was a comparison I did have in my, my mind, you know, it's like he come, it's like he had to become a steel inquisitor, even though he, he probably didn't want to become this, like, essentially this monster. Um, but he, ha- he, did, he did it for the greater good. Um, yeah, I can't remember what my comparison was, but, like, I did like that kind of, that, uh, that was my favourite part. I one. thought what you were leaning towards was to compare it to Kelsier, how he becomes kind of, like, a lot of, a lot of his crew even say to him, you know, 
Chelahel out with, like, because he he kind of murders a lot of these noblemen in cold blood and has justification as if you are part of the system, you're directly complicit. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I was like thinking of like an outside source, like it's like that character of becoming, um, like one of the the bad guys essentially, but still serving the good. Um, as essentially a way of infiltrating. Um, I'm sure there's loads of examples, but there was one I have in mind, but I can't think of it now. But um, no, I, I, I think that was my favourite part, was just him coming back and kind of saving her. And then he gets the Lord Ruler, kind of mangles him, and then uh, um, ends up defeating the Lord Ruler. Um, so I really liked that. I liked, I liked how like, it was. You know, I feel like whenever, you know, you know kind of coming on that story, uh, in most cases, apart from maybe Game of Thrones and stuff, that's the good guys usually win and like she was going to defeat him like you can feel that that's going to happen but you're like how and i like the fact that it was just like it wasn't they kind of explained it well that well maybe not well because we said we don't understand it but like that it was simply just a mixture of like two of the magic powers um like it seemed like even though us as the readers we had trouble understanding it it feels like something that like it was so simple for the actual characters you know because they understand this world um so that that it was actually some very simple thing to defeat him but that this 11th medal that Kelsier was called like you know it was foreshadowed throughout the whole thing that this was going to be the key and it actually was um, but it was kind of very unexpected how it was going to be like I didn't realise that it was going to be it was more like her just figuring out something about the past rather than like you know you, you kind of thought the 11th medal was going to give her some kind of super ability to defeat him where it was more like it just like it enlightened her about something that's do you know I thought it was so clever the way it was done yeah yeah I, I love this segment of the book um I love Brandon Sanderson's ending there's actually a word for it I think I think it's called the Sanderlanch like avalanche but uh basically just how everything goes completely ballistic at the end of his books where there's all these reveals and there's all these action scenes and it just kind of all melts together and goes crazy um I didn't think it was rushed the way Stephen did. I I enjoy the pacing. It's definitely it's definitely a big step up in terms of pacing further from the rest of the book. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just more attuned to Brandon Sanderson's style of doing this, where he just you know this is how his books end. This is what I I know when I pick up a Brandon Sanderson book. The I actually actually liked the, like that because I feel like. You know, if you had the section where Kelsier died and then there was this kind of like, you know, where everybody's moping about depressed, whereas it's kind of like he dies at the key moment and like they're straight on that, like, you know, he dies just before this is all about to kick off. Um, I thought that was really like compelling. Like it was, I, I like, I like that. Yeah, it's the catalyst for like the uprising. And then we, um, we kind of, we kind of get this, uh, the Lord Ruler is kind of, he's just ambivalent about it. He's just like, yeah, it, it happens every now and then. And it's like... It, like none of it none of it matters which is was kind of a an interesting take on it that he would just he would just rebuild again um but yeah i i really like the i really like the endings brandon sanderson's endings I, I love the the wild action scenes and the the reveals and the the constant plot twists of it okay so so here's my like main problem with the ending right and it's not to do with the speed Okay, uh, so throughout the book, there's all these buildups, right? There's there's multiple things being built up, like they're building this uh, rebellion army, right? 
they're they're setting up the heist, uh, and the Lord the Lord Ruler is supposed to be unkillable, and he's amazing. Okay, and by the end of the book, only one of them sort of pays off. Okay, <laughs> so let, let's go through them, right? So the rebellion just gets decimated off screen. Okay. We, well, we, we, I, I think does it, they not say that the rebellion has taken the city that they've basically. I think he means the first the first group. Not the rebellion. I'm talking about the army that they make, right? Oh, like, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, so so that gets absolutely decimated, right? And that's a big like setup thing to start. So there's no yep. payoff there. Then we have the what was the other one I said? Um what was the second one I said? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even say anything. <laughs> there was the the rebellion, then the heist. Sorry, yeah, of course the heist. So there's all a setup for the heist, and then there is no heist. They just don't do it because of reasons, right? Yeah. So so it's a heist book without the heist, right? Which was was a big gripe of mine. And then the Lord Ruler, yes, he kills Kelsier right easily, but then he just dies at the end really easily as well. So I mean, this there. That's what that one sort of paid off, but not really. Unless he, unless he, think, unless he comes back later, and that wasn't really him, which is my other guess I, for, the, for the rest of the series. I think like all the things Stephen, like the things that Stephen has just mentioned there, like is all the reasons I actually really like this book. <laughs> I think it's funny <laughs> the fact that like you know I feel like see any heist, any heist like film or TV show or whatever, I don't, it's like they make this big mad elaborate plan, and yep. In, in any of them can you name me any of them where it goes to plan like it always never goes to plan the now, only the only one... time it does the only time it does is when you don't know the plan like such as like exactly. o- the Ocean's Eleven <laughs> ones but if you uh, if you are told the plan exactly what Jonathan's saying if you are told the plan by the crew and you see each element it all has to go wrong that's that's just yeah. how, how it has to work because yeah. We can't we can't see what they're saying come to fruition because then we've been told the plot. Yeah, 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 but like none of it. Like, okay, I I agree, right? But none of it happens. They literally do not go on the heist. Yeah, I, I guess like I think that's kind of like funny that that the way that happens, like that, that it doesn't <laughs> end up happening, like that it goes so not the plan. <laughs> the plan doesn't even happen. Like they go they go a completely different way. Yeah, but um. No, I think I do understand what Steve would say. Like, I think yeah. it's one of those things that is like you either love it or you hate it, and like I think that's why there's such a contrast here in like our views. Yeah, I can't see validity in what he's saying because it's it essentially genre skips. It bec- it it stops being a heist and it starts to become more conventional fantasy, and like maybe it's like the promise is this is going to be an awesome heist, and because that that isn't what happens. Maybe that feels unsatisfying to Steven. That's that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason, like, like the army getting decimated and stuff, doesn't bother me at all, is because, as as Jonathan was saying, it's like it's stuff going wrong in a heist. It's even it's these things that are built up through the the fun of the heist, and then it's just like these elements are slowly taken out. So it's, it's yeah. like okay. But let me let me elaborate on that. So it's not so much that they get decimated, right? It's that you don't even see it. Right, uh, you know uh, it's off screen. Yeah, I can, I can sort of see that. But the reason that I I still like it is because we get that great scene of like Van and uh, 
Kelsey are pewter burning and running free exhaustion, which I, I love that. And I think that was like, it was worth that, seeing them push themselves to their absolute limit. It was worth seeing that. If we are going to see this story strictly for you, Van's eyes, then say, hypothetically, that Van was there for some reason. I would have rather had it play out the way it did than, than had Van been there and witnessed it or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your points, but I, I just I just wasn't for me. I just want to mention something that like, every time there's a break like I'm, that I'm not speaking, I keep thinking about this. I just really like the name Kelsier. It's like <laughs> just such a such a cool name. Like like uh, I'm just like, should I call if I get a dog in the future? Is that what I should call it? Like, <laughs> what's everyone's thoughts? Uh yeah, I like I call think Ham. Brandon Sanders. Close <laughs> <laughs> think- and, and Vum. I think uh yeah, I think it's a good name. Um I think Brandon Sanderson does come up with good names. The only the only names I don't like in this book are Lord Ruler, which is very yeah. very cliche for like a book that is so going against cliches in fantasy. And the the Lord Ruler's palace complex being called Critic Shaw, it's it kinda sounds weird and out of place. But I think all the other names are great in this, like Van Gadriel, Kelser. Yeah, that did feel out of place. A lot of a few of the other characters are kind of like uh, tropey as well. Like Ham is is a tough guy. Breeze literally he soothes people. He's a soothing breeze. Okay, you know, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I anyway, think that I know I, I don't keep, think that's, I I'm not necessarily this... criticizing them for that. I'm just I know. yeah. I know I keep using the same defense, but I think that as like a it's another like homage kind of to like heist. No, the, yeah, the heist yeah. movies and, and stuff that Brandon Sanderson obviously would have used as like the the skeleton of this I, book. I would agree on that. I, I'm not. I, I'm not. As I say, I'm not criticizing. I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. Um. If maybe there's a book called uh, "Lies of Locke Lamora," which is also was I think it was published around this time. It's written by Scott Lynch. It's a fantasy book, and it has more conventional heist. So I think something like that could potentially be more up your street Stephen and it's who's narrating it I can't remember I don't think I've actually ever listened to the audiobook I've only read the physical book but I don't think it's Michael Kramer Michael Page no oh, it's, it's another Michael we're, we're from all the, terrible from the Gentleman Bastard series oh man oh it's such a it, I, I love those books it's like they're kind of like the settings kind of Assassin's creed as well it's, they're great books but and it's kind of like the enemy is like the mob <laughs> so it's right. you just ruined my pick for next book by the way so <laughs> um I was gonna say something else about this oh well I suppose then we should talk a bit more I know we all touched on it briefly but since it was such such a big sticking point let's talk a bit about the narrator Stephen you go first and, and explain your feelings about uh, Michael Kramer. I It's not necessarily Michael Kramer, right? It's just that style of narration where it's very, very monotone. And I, I couldn't get any emotion out of the characters from what he was saying. They're all just, it's all literally monotone. There's, it's all one note. There's, you know, happy and sad are the same. So I it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work with my ears. I had the same problem with Inferno. If you remember, there's a very similar sort of style there. Um, it's I like I like a more um, 
what's the word like exciting narrator or they put a every character feels different sort of thing and I just didn't get that with this one or any narrator of that style and I get that it's a, it's a it's the commonplace in, in fantasy books but it's just not for me yeah like I said at the start if if you have issues with Michael Kramer it is a bit unfortunate with fantasy books because he also does the wheel of time and I think he does like basically all of Brandon Sanderson's fantasy books anyway yeah I can sort of I can sort of see where you're coming from Stephen Michael Kramer he's not he's not one of my top narrators but I still do I still do enjoy him he's kind of seamless for me he's he just feels invisible it's he doesn't inject much of himself into the story but just like having it is like just having somebody read the story out rather than acting the story out yeah I think I think that's the thing I like it to be properly acted like that i can it, it, it helps me sort of visualize the the book as though it's like a, a show in my head <laughs> um yeah i mean i kind of agree with what you just said um where he's he's kind of just he's, he's doing nothing special for for me but he's just yeah like he's easy to understand and it's like easy for me to listen to so he's just yeah just reading the story um and i don't really need to think much about you know what I'm hearing in terms of his voice. I can just focus on the actual words. Um, whereas, like, like I do like, like, say Stephen Fry, for example. Um, you know, he puts the the like Stephen saying the acting on it, and I feel like you know that's part of what you're listening to, um, which I think is good for like those things like Harry Potter. But for this here, like, I thought, um, like having this guy's voice was quite good for like explaining things, um, which I felt like because of this complex magic system and obviously a heist as well. There's a lot of like going through steps um i think that suited out well um so overall like i would say you know it was it was good though it's nothing special but i thought it was grand to listen to like okay so we're gonna go into our rating second segment um i will start with jonathan before before <laughs> stephen absolutely decimates this way <laughs> So, um, so right, coming on before we had any discussion here, you know, obviously these discussions, which I quite, they, they, like a lot of what Stephen says, you know, enlighten me of things, you know, did bring things that I didn't even think about as being like downsides kind of, um, before I was definitely going to give this a five and I did on like the audible, however, just, I still really, really love this book. Um, but just because of the few little points, like the ball, the whole situation with the ball being too long and not focusing on some of the other heist members more. Um, the narrator just, you know, was grand, but wasn't wasn't a five for me. Um, so I'm going to pull it down to a 4.5. So it was just, yeah, just slightly off the mark, but I absolutely love the story of this book. Good man, Johnny. I did my job then. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Stephen, what is your rating of this book? Um i've been i've been again like i said at the start i've been dreading this part for weeks now i've been thinking back and forth what to what to give this uh the book uh and it's hovering around a one for me right i don't want to give it a one because it seems a bit unfair when so many people love the book but i think i think though if you if you hated it that is our rating well, system. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I was going. That's that's what I was going to say. Okay, so yeah. I, I, I've been kind of not wanting to give the one because because I, I I really really didn't like it. 
Um, but there were aspects of the story and the the world that I did like. Like obviously we talked about the magic system. I think yeah, they're they're both the two of them are both very different. You don't really see anything like those elsewhere. Um, so that's a plus. I think that gives it the one. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, there's other stuff like the world. Um, I, I find myself trying to trying to um, kind of picture how the landscape looks. So, like with you know the different plantations and stuff, and the, and the mist kind of all around it. I, I thought that was really interesting. I wanted, I almost wanted more of that to be explored. You know, you you, you hear um, sometimes the sky talking about travel traversing the mists and how it's so dangerous and stuff. I kind of wanted to see a bit more than that, more of that. Um, so yeah, I think that pulls it up a wee bit for me as well. So I'm gonna say one and a half. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I guess I'll go on to mine. I I really love this book as well. Uh, as I said at the start of of why I recommended this book in the first place was because it is so original and such a breath of fresh air into like into a genre I was starting to find kind of stale. As much as I love Tolkien, I really start to grow weary of like direct Tolkien imitations. And if anybody out there is writing like a fantasy book that uses all Tolkien tropes, please, please keep writing that book because there are people out there who have never read one. Like, as I saw somebody defending Aragon before, because Aragon's a book that copies Star Wars beat for beat, but so many people love that book. Because, yeah, so many people love that book because no, not everybody has seen Star Wars and even people who, haven't, who have seen Star Wars, maybe they want just a, a bit more Star Wars. So if you are writing like a Tolkien book, keep going with that because there are especially younger readers and people who aren't as in-depth who maybe haven't read that, who aren't looking for all these cliche bending books keep going with that because even though i'm criticizing the token books it's just something i want i want something that does something a bit different which i think that brandon sanderson books do he he plays with culture religion history and stuff in a really interesting way i will i think there is a lot of validity to the criticisms about the characters that brandon sanderson does they can feel a bit stilted at times they're not as well developed as like Two, two of my favorite writers like George R. R. Martin and Stephen King write such rich, real characters. I don't think Brandon Sanderson has ever ever been that, that way. He inclined his books are more they're more like they're kind of like Marvel movies where they're these big action set pieces. And I, I think like the parts where he was doing like political intrigue in the middle, the middle of the book does drag a bit for me as well. This book, in my opinion, is a great start and a great ending. And, and there are parts in the middle that drag in the balls. Although I did like some of that. I did like some of the interactions with Ellen and Van. Um, so there was there were too many scenes of those. That's the tropiest part been, of the book. What are you talking about? <laughs> so. <laughs> it could have been it could have been cut down a bit. And um But still love this book. I would say the first time I read this, it was probably a five. I just was so blown away with this uh for second or third time i think reading this now i would probably give it uh, agree with jonathan and give it a 4.5 um michael kramer i do think he he's a good narrator but i don't think he's fantastic the way like stephen fry or um who, who mark meadows wasn't it that the 
yeah. I don't think he he's quite anywhere at that level but for me it didn't make the book boring or anything I still really enjoyed listening to him reading it so yeah I'm going to give it a 4.5 well, and, and Steve yeah sorry. no go ahead I was going to say, and Stephen, you apologized before starting your review and um, saying you feel bad. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm really glad that you were honest and everything. Uh, I feel bad that this was such a long book and that you didn't like it because that must have been tough to get through all of that. But no, I, I mean that's what that's what we want to do here. We want to we want to be that's a place where we can yeah share share honest opinions. So you know, well, that's just... what we want. At the start, it was tough, right? But then when I got the speed going, it was it wasn't so bad. Yeah, that's that is a good option to have for audiobooks that are a slog, I guess, for people. It's thing is, good... though, I I don't like doing it because, as I said, I like to, to visualize the story, and it's impossible when when you're yeah yeah. Yeah, so that's our review. Um, what what about Roy Trace? Do you not like him? Is a... <laughs> I like I like well, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do Game of Thrones books uh, someday, but I like Roy Trace, Yeah, I, we always talk about his his Jeffrey and his yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. Caitlin <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but no, he's a he's a good voice actor, and he does a part. He does a lot of the like the little nasally evil voice a lot. He relies on that a lot, but I still. I still find him entertaining to listen to. Every time he talks, every time he talks, I just think of uh, Mr. Raymond. Like that's what he looks like. <laughs> you can tell that he's old. I, yeah. I've never seen him, but you can tell. You can tell that he's old. Yeah. Have you ever listened to the audiobooks of Game of Thrones, Jonathan? Just while we're on the subject. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I mean, he's alright to listen to. Um... But we'll, I guess we'll we'll talk more about that when we get the game in front. Yeah. Just yeah. can I just a question? So Aragon is a beat for beat for Star Wars. Yeah. I have I I used to love those books, right? And I never noticed that. This was when I was like you know ten or something. Whenever they came that's out. because that's because you read them when you were young and you probably weren't like as attuned to things like like that, you know. If you if you go back if you go back and listen to them again or watch the movie or whatever you will definitely pick up on that. Like I, I still I, have, think... I still have the books. I must uh, read. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy how how much it mirrors Star Wars. And I think your guy as a Paolini is that Chris, his name? Christopher Paolini or something like that. Yeah, he's he's been very honest too that he basically did just Google how to write a fantasy book and just lifted all these things and just mirrored obviously mirrored Star Wars which was probably his favourite movie but yeah it's 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 a book I didn't like because I read it too late if I had read it when I was young too I probably would have loved it mm. I was just so sad that they didn't make any more films they made one they made the first book and they didn't do the rest that I know yeah. of I, I, I just I just really don't want to put anybody off who's listening to this who is like they're like damn it I, I've written a book with orcs and elves and stuff. Now I have to start all over again. It's just like, just write that book because there are people who still want to read those kind of books, you know? Damn, I just bought Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying then, just to summarize that, is like, 
if one of you's ever suggested to me the Aragon book, I could just go watch A New Hope and I'd be able to comfortably do this podcast. Yeah. 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 Well, you, well, you have to watch it again. What, you just wouldn't know? What are you talking about? Could do that with my eyes closed. My ears closed. If we, if we did do Aragon, I would be, uh, I would be setting my new, my new low score record. <laughs> <laughs> just going to get loads of, uh, recommendations for <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh comparison to other media there's no movie for must burn or anything it has been brandon sanderson books they're obviously like these huge bestsellers he's i think after george r martin he has the uh, biggest best-selling fantasy offer in the world so obviously a lot of tv rights and movie rights are being argued um and thrashed out there's nothing really for has Cosmere right now, but I think I think it is inevitable, based on how much money these books make, that there will be something in the future. Um, as I said, in terms of heist, heist fantasy, another one that I I recommend that there was the Lies of Locke Lamora. If anybody wants more in that kind of that kind of niche, uh, I love that book as well. It's very different from this book, but it's 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 really good as well. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm it. gonna pick that up. Yeah, it's the characters are. I think you'll I think you'll enjoy that book a lot more. I'll just say, Stephen. Yeah. I maybe just like the add that like I think you said there earlier, Michael, about there was like a Guardian review saying like it was like almost criticizing this, saying comparing the game like the actual idea here. I think would make a brilliant game, which I think is actually like you know a, a good thing about it. It's actually give me like. Like even just like see the powers, the like the the metal pushing and pulling. I think that would make, even make like a good kind of like money game. Like I'm trying to get on the game program, so I'm actually now using that as an idea for my first game. All right, cool. Yeah, so like it's gonna. I feel like that, but like it's obviously gonna probably just be like a wee, almost like a maybe like a puzzle kind of game. Like you know, you have to get like one from one side of the map to the other using this pushing and pulling idea. Um, something like that, you know, just the concept taken into this game. But um, because I'm only starting out, not I'm not going to be building the next AAA game. Like, but I feel like even like creating this kind of world in like like a Skyrim esque game with these kind of powers, um, probably would be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, there's I think the the thing I liked about this is there is nothing else quite like this magic system. Um, so I don't think there is anything else to compare this to. Um, obviously yeah. heists, you know, are, are done loads, but I think taking a completely unique magic system and putting it on top of a very well defined story such as a heist is just uh, just a brilliant idea but um yeah yeah um i totally agree jonathan that i think it would make a great game i think it is perfectly set up to be adapted into a game um yeah. maybe that is also inevitable i would agree too yeah it just it yeah. does it does seem like it would be a good um, game mechanics and even yeah. like you can even see like typical things you see in games like re- resources for your players it's obviously yeah like, find yeah. metal and shit like that or and like yeah. a leveling yeah. system where the pyre gets gets stronger and you, you unlock new pyres and yeah I mean it's, stop saying these ideas out there guys well we're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to pay Brandon Sanders Sanders and royalties so Oh, well, no, there's going to be no mention of any uh, Brandon Sanderson. It's just, uh, it's going to be an Aragon job. It's just going to be a reskin. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to mention, just while we're talking about the magic system, um, 
the idea of like the steel pushing and how how when when the coins go against the ground because they're becoming they're pressing against a weightier object they they will actually propel the person in the reverse direction like the physics and stuff about that um brandon sanderson has talked about like he how he just may as well bring up star wars again um how he with the force where anything can go anywhere how that kind of bothered him because there was no like there was no physical logic to it so i think that was this was kind of a reaction to the force this which is the force is just complete pure telekinesis whereas this is telekinesis under strict rules and i think that's a that's a kind of uh it's a cool thing that it's like a reactionary thing that this has been created on do you know what it's like it's it's like the it's like if you've watched the witcher or read the witcher probably watched or play the games it has like its magical system is like something has to be destroyed to create magic like so you'll see like in the the first season of the witcher on netflix um it's like if they want to like say um create fires of them then they have to like kill a flyer and like you know there's like the whole training is about like kind of that balance so like it's it's i think the, the actual physical system is for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction which is you know just pure physics um but i like when that you have like it's like almost like you can see that this this could be a real system like this would probably work in the real world if like you know this these things that exist where it's like uh, like star wars and all it's just like like where's that power where's the power of the force coming from like where's it generated and is it just infinite? Like, why can't they just infinitely like move some <laughs> metachlorians? But sure, who knows what they are like? But yeah, it's <laughs> they're a microscopic or- organism, Jonathan. Love <laughs> <laughs> inside you in your blood. And as Anakin's got over like forty thousand, his, his power level is off the charts. It's over nine thousand. Yeah. It's nine thousand <laughs> over nine thousand. <laughs> Another another thing, just uh, you mentioned about like uh, you have to sacrifice something, like in The Witcher. Um, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Uh, the the fire magic or the blood magic, I suppose, is a better thing for it, where you have to like, for example, only death can pay for life. You know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's not just like yeah, a modern thing either. I think that is like how like ancient stories of magic too worked a lot of the time. Some and and if you enjoy like physical magic systems with rules uh you know embedded in some kind of physical logic i think um you probably enjoy the name of the wand as well the sympathy magic system and that is really it's really really unique and interesting as well but that's all really i have in terms of trivia i think of sparse the author of that one that is uh patrick rothis though there's red flags going off right now at recommending you that book because just like george r R. martin he has seemingly abandoned the series so maybe it's not great to recommend picking it up but the first book is absolutely phenomenal in my opinion could it stand on its own like could i just pick the first one up and be like i think so i i think so yeah okay but it is also considered you know a modern modern classic yeah, so we're going to go on to what else we're consuming. Um, I think uh, I'll just keep with the trend where I've been starting with Jonathan this episode and go to Jonathan first here. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned there, just uh, that I was, I'm kind of working a lot on like game programming. So I've been learning Unity. Um, and like, there's kind of a whole thing about 
there's like Unity and Unreal are the two main gaming engines that a lot of people learn. And I think I figured out that Unity is the one you want to you learn if you want to be writing more code, which is what I want to do because a lot of the stuff wasn't built for you. You have to build it yourself in code, which is good for people you know like me that want to just learn this thing, like the the actual underlying stuff. Whereas Unreal is more like it's like the it's got like a visual coding system where you can just like drag like a box that says function do this, and like you know join them all together. So it's like a visual programming thing. Um, but yeah, I've been spent a lot of time doing like they have like a lot of like learning resources. So I've been doing a lot of that um, in my spare time. But in terms of watching things, I just last night started The Last of Us. Um, I didn't watch the full first episode. It was an hour and 20 minutes, but I think there's half an hour left and I'm going to continue it. But I did play like the first few, like about an hour or two of the game. So I kind of knew what was going to happen already. But, um, you know, I'm kind of really looking forward now to get to the parts that I don't. Um, but no, it's it started so strong. Like I'm looking forward to watching, continuing watching that. Um, but yeah, that's that's most of my time is consumed with those things. Still uh, playing a lot of. I actually started playing because I'm doing the game program. I started playing a game Stardew Valley. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's like a wee farming kind of simulator, but it's like a wee two D pixelated one. It's it's quite an interesting game. But it's the reason I actually found out about it was. Um, because it was created by one person over two years. Um, and, you know, I'm looking to be a and the kind of game developer, so I was just, you know, reading about his story and stuff and how he made it. Um, but, yeah, I was like, God, this game's actually pretty cool when I was watching it. I was like, I'll, I, must, I must play it then. Um, but now I've been playing a lot of it too, so... It's an amazing yeah, that's, game, that's Stardew. Uh, I, I, bounced, yeah. I, bounced, I bounced that years ago for, for like, days and days. So good. It's like uh, Harvest Moon, if you ever played that. Way back when, it's like a new new one. Yeah, I haven't played that, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what he based it on. Yeah, um, Stephen, what are you consuming? Yeah, I I haven't a lot of time anymore for for things, unfortunately. Um, still watch, still making my way through The Sopranos again. I lo- I'm loving it. Every time I watch that show, I love it. Like any anything to do with the mafia, I think it's just so so like interesting to me. <laughs> I must uh, think of one of a book suggestion for it. That might be fun. Uh, I haven't started The Last of Us, but I intend to at some point. Um, let me think what else. Uh, me and the missus just watched the show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we, we sat through the whole thing in one night. Um, what was it called? Extraordinary? Have you seen this advertised? No. At all? No. It's, no. It's essentially like... Uh, <clears throat> so... Like everybody in the world has like has recently developed like the last ten years or so has developed like a superpower basically and they're all they're all different right um, they can be as mundane or as interesting as you like but the the main character doesn't have one and she's like the, a weirdo and it's yeah so it's very good I thought it was really really funny and really really like different. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> what else? It's kind of like an there's another series. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it is. That's a very good comparison. Yeah, yeah it's like Encanto, except instead of just the family, it's like yeah. everybody in the world, apart from this one person. And yeah, um, and then there was another show that we watched, but I can't talk about it yet because it's actually a spoiler for the next my recommendation. Oh, nice. <laughs> because there's a ah. book, there's a book uh, on it. Uh, I was I loved the show so much. I thought, yeah, I think I, like, I was going to pick a different book. And then we watched the show, 
watched the full two seasons in like you know a couple of days and absolutely loved it and i thought you know what i'm going to recommend this book and see uh, you know first of all is, is it much different from the show and do the guys like it nice uh and if they don't like the book then they'll love the show, it's the show <laughs> <class>. <laughs> so uh i think what else uh still playing the new world of warcraft expansion this that's partly why i don't have any time for anything anymore <laughs> back on back on the <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were going to say it's your young, your young child. <laughs> well, that's no. that's the two <laughs> things that are well, th- the two of three things. The other thing being work that keeps me from doing other things. <laughs> but any to any spare time that I'm not working or spending with Wayne, I'm playing this, and it's like crack. Again, <laughs> I fall off the wagon. Yeah. So yeah. So what I have been doing is um, I've been watching all the best picture nominees from the oscars i've watched uh watched loads of movies but i've also watched a lot on this list um if if you will indulge me i'll just quickly read out what they are um all quiet on the western front top gun maverick woman talking everything everywhere all at once the banshees of inishirn triangle of sadness the fablemans avatar the way of water elvis and tar um the only ones i haven't seen are woman talking and avatar the way of water so i've seen the other eight i think it is um i think i did we talk about banshees i don't think no we haven't so we can talk about that now if you want it's amazing i loved it it's my i think it's my third if i was to make a list it's my third top film of the year oh it's, it's definitely i haven't seen a lot of films this year though but it's definitely number one for me yeah it's 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 on my top it's on my top three anyway. I'd say number four would probably be that Triangle of Sadness, which was I, it was such a surprise, and it's it's a bit of a bad title for what the movie's about because it sounds like this drama kind of, but it's it's actually really funny and it's really it is sort of a drama, but it's it's hard movie to describe. But I, I really enjoyed that one as well. I would say one movie that's not on this list. But it was nominated for Paul Mescal, given a great performance on it. Was after it wasn't too. That was also nominated for I think animated, but it was a uh, After Sun, which would probably be my second top film of the year. It was that was just a great, great movie. It's um, it's kind of a sad movie, and some people have watched it and said, "Oh, it's not really about anything," but like. I think like five minutes on I was like no I I know exactly what this movie is about because I don't know why it just really connected and um, I think my top movie I've already talked about it on the podcast but it would still be everything everywhere all at once and I hope hope that one's best picture because just like um, Parasite from a few years back it feels like a really special movie that people are going to be talking about for decades and decades it's just such a unique experience and there's just not many movies like that um obviously top gun maverick it's great to see that here too that's that was a fantastic movie as well um the fablemans i thought was just okay it's kind of a semi-autobiographical story about steven spielberg's life and has like how he kind of got into cinema and stuff it it was interesting watching but it wasn't it felt kind of characters felt kind of like cutouts of of the real people that they were probably based on and elvis was it was enjoyable at times but it was 
extremely frantic and I, re- I remember I heard a review it said like it's the it's basically this movie is like a two hour long trailer which is kind of what it feels like it's just oh, wow. yeah so yeah but I still enjoyed parts of it but yeah uh so have you guys seen any movies on this list um you've seen Banshees Stephen and, and loved it yeah Banshees yeah I think that's the only one on the list but it again you know me my guy used to be like going to the cinema every week yeah to see the new stuff coming and I've just fallen off the wagon yeah for the child haven't seen much but uh we should, do we should get back to us yeah we should do uh um, one one movie a month yeah we well, yeah. they said we were going to go see Weird Al and we never did and it's still, <laughs> it's still where did Weird Al come on that list yeah we should uh no. we should make a movie club where we we all make yeah uh, one a month for one at some kind of regular interval go to the cinema and see a movie yeah uh, that could, that'd be really fun yeah. how, how high up it's a, it's a not date. to detract from that too much but how high up did Weird Al rate on that list I have I have not seen the Weird Al movie oh how high was it not well, was but, it nominated no, for anything was it that's what i'm asking yeah. it wasn't it wasn't on the best picture nominees i don't think i don't think um I, I i read the best actor stuff on the screenplay run i don't remember seeing it for anything to be honest it's a damn shame yeah oh well but no we, we should definitely um do that going once a week or whatever yeah i would love that yeah did you jonathan you watched avatar didn't you do you think it's deserves to be on the on the list of best picture for the oscars uh, I, I went to cinema and said it's um to be honest yeah it was a very good movie see the thing i think was bad about it was that it was it was kind of like what uh a force awakens is to a new hope right oh. uh basically just a copy of the same kind of right. story like same bad guys same same like good guys like to, to just... the first avatar yeah yeah like it was like the storyline is the same, but then like Avatar is kind of like mostly about it's like visually stunning, kind of like you know the whole world of Pandora and stuff, which I thought was very good. Um, probably not in terms of I don't think it deserves to win Best Picture um, because it did feel very copied from the first one. But you know the first one was very good, so you know if it's. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't do anything new for me. But um, no, it was good. Like it was, it's probably worth a watch. Um, but um, yeah, no, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't rank it. That's up there. Um, I have seen all, all quite on the Western Front too. Um, Stephen, you're going to ask a question about did, the Avatar. Did I hear that uh, Avatar lost at the box office? They put some boots. Can someone fact check that for me? Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. I thought it was quite. I heard Avatar was quite successful, and it just didn't. It didn't have a great opening weekend or anything, and then it it slowly got traction. Right, maybe that's what it was. I, th- I swear that I heard. Maybe it was the opening weekend. Uh, I seen somebody say that th- that opening weekend or whatever it lost to Puss in Boots, and I thought that was so funny <laughs> because he's been, he he worked on that film for so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I would. I don't think it has any chance of winning. Um, to be honest, I haven't looked at any odds or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised that this is probably the one of the lowest odds of the of the list. The movies on the list, I would say. I would say. The Banshees of Inisherin has a really good chance of winning, even though I would like to see everything everywhere all at once. If that doesn't win, I would love to see The Banshees of Inisherin winning because I thought that was a great movie as well. It was so so well acted, and Colin Farrell probably deserves Best Actor. But I haven't seen I haven't seen all the nominees. I haven't seen The Whale with Brendan Fraser. I can't wait to see that as well. But um, 
out of the movies I've seen, yeah, I think I would give Best Actor probably to Colin Farrell. I just don't like you no more. <laughs> but uh, yeah, any any plugs, guys? Anything? Uh, I've kind of already mentioned um, the game and stuff, but it is a long process, so I'll possibly. But I'm also I started like a YouTube channel um, oh, for nice. my program and stuff. So I I did I think it was the like, very first episode of this that I did. Um, I do these like Q videos. This the KDB Q is the language that I program in my day to day. So I make videos for their like main site, the KX community. Um, but I've also like updated, uploaded them to my YouTube channel, and I plan to like do some of my other stuff. Like I'm, like, I'm going to do a few videos in C and stuff. Um, but I haven't released anything yet, and I'm still working on it. So, but I should hopefully give some updates hopefully in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, that's kind of um, everything I have. Yeah, cool, cool. Steven? Nah, no, nothing for me. Uh, my life's boring now. <laughs> Just World of Warcraft? Just World of kid Warcraft. Reason. Looking after kids, World of Warcraft and work. Um, what a dishwasher. That's pretty exciting. Nice. Wow. It's good. It's it's proper good. adult in there. Yeah, good job, so it is. Um, what's, the, what's the spun cycle rate? Oh, <laughs> she's bad boy. helping her, <laughs> I have no idea. Do you, does she have good flow, like good oh, water flow? Awesome flow. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm still, still writing, still recording. Got nothing too close to completion right now. Um, I kind of I I started, like the fourth story I read was intended to be like another episode of the Dark Tales, and it's slowly looking like it might be, uh, a novella or even a novel. It's getting bigger and bigger and. It's kind of like, it's a story called The Apartment. It's kind of a personal story slash haunting story. And uh, it's just got, it's just sprawled bigger and bigger the more I've written of it. So I don't know if it's going to turn out, how how long it's going to be, turn out to be. But I'm really enjoying writing that at the moment. Um, But that's everything that I'm working on. Um, I guess, um, I guess that's, that's everything, isn't it? It's, we, we, uh, so now that i've hosted my episode i will pass over the reins to steven to introduce the next book we will be reviewing sure uh okay so as i said i i had a, a completely different book um i don't think it's too far away plot wise um like just the like base idea from what i was originally going to pick but um yeah so uh, we, we watched the show that um absolutely captivated me and i just wanted to wanted more of that world um, so, without further ado, the book is Slow Horses by Mick Heron. Have, have either of you ever heard of this book? Or seen the show? No. Mm, I think I've heard of it, but I can't... I, somebody ta- somebody talked about the show to me. I don't know if it was you, Stephen. Or somebody. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Somebody I think, has anyway. I think maybe did I mention that I wanted to watch it on this podcast? I don't know. I've I've definitely heard heard of the show anyway. I didn't realize it was a book as well. Because it, it was in the in the works for for us watching it for for like weeks, and I'm sure you know yourself, Michael. It's sometimes hard to fit in uh, <laughs> watching a show with your significant other when you've got uh, a child. Yeah, all those movies I said that I watched those were in twenty minute segments. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, do you just want to hazard guess as to what it's about? 
Um, I guess I'll go first then, since Michael has heard maybe small amounts, but not enough, just to make sure it doesn't have Genuinely, I guess. No idea, Jonathan. No idea. <laughs> Are we allowed to say cover, or would that spoil? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, oh God, show us the cover, because my guess is just about to be ridiculous. Let me, let me see. Is, does it involve horses? Yes, that's it, what my guess is. It doesn't. Oh, I'll tell you this: the book doesn't. There's no horses in the book. No, no actual like you know animal horse. Okay. Okay. That I remember. But is there anyway. slow? Is there something slow? I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 the cover. It's in the Discord. Just check. Uh, okay, I guess I'll s- describe, describe it for the listeners. What? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, so okay, sorry, you go ahead. Go on, no, you go. No, you go, actually. Sure, but you describe it. Okay, so the cover is... Uh, it's two. Uh, it's a pair of hands, and they they seem to be bound, and uh, it seems to be, like, in a very dark room, and the hands are, like, holding up to the tiniest bit of light that's available. Do you think... Is that accurate to what you guys are seeing? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I'll go with it as a, some form of kidnapping. Um, and ransom. Uh, so basically, somebody is kidnapped and tied up for ransom, and then the story is about his or her. Um, just from the hands, it looks like ma- a man's hands, um, but that could just be covered. Um, but their uh, struggle of getting free, and then people on the outside of this, you know, the, like the, the police eventually find out they can't just burst in because the uh, terrorists or whoever's kidnapped this person are. We'll kill him. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go down that line. Okay. What, what does the title mean, Jonathan? I want I want yeah, you that, to just gonna the ask title. that. Yeah. What do you think the title means? Um, <laughs> slow horses sounds a slow horse. Um, is a like a metaphor. So a slow horse in like a race would be the one that's coming last. Maybe it's like that the police are slow to react to this, or the, like the people that are trying to save this person are quite slow to respond. And like this person, it's about this person having to wait and be patient rather than you know, like they, they survive. I don't know. That's that's enough. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um that slow horses, as in reference to gambling, as in you know when you you gamble on the wrong horse. Basically, it's like a play on that. Uh, and I'm gonna say, God, that, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that this this person, um, they built up heavy heavy debt and arrears, and they're they're taken captive by some gang, and and tortured, and it's about them trying to keep their sanity. That's what I'll that's what I'll go with. Can I just can I concede the point already because that there Michael's just like could be taken. Compl- Mine's is very a very vague idea, and Michael's you just like, put it want, on there. Like, I mean... That could be completely <laughs> wrong, Jonathan. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> sticking to what I what, what I went up by pure <laughs> instinct. Um, no, I actually think that's quite a good guess. Um, like the slow horses. Like if, if you had to ask me the question of what that means beforehand, I might have went down this path of the gamble. <laughs> or like betting because of the slow horses. Oh, but could, it could have nothing to do with that. It's already too deep. Too, too deep. <laughs> okay. Uh, so again, that's the book is Slow Horses. Uh, the author is Mick Heron, and it's narrated by Sean Barrett. It's uh, about ten hours long, as I remember. 
Nice. So that will fit on there next. Back, back on there track with the shorter bit. books. Back on track. Nice. Okay, I guess that's um, that's us, isn't it? That's a wrap. Yeah, we'll uh, see you next episode where we'll be listening to, uh, well, we'll be reviewing what we listen to, Slow Horses. Thanks, and uh, yeah. Brandon Sanderson fanboys, don't don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put Stephen's personal email under the <laughs> show notes. Before I passed it to you, Stephen, I was tempted to say that we're actually gonna do all seven Mustborn books I, before we. <laughs> I, if you, if that's it's your choice to recommend them or not, I will, I will do my best to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs>